0: to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday night and it is time for Friends and Fiction. We have an amazing show for you tonight. We had, um, four guests backstage. And can't you just tell, we can always tell backstage, like the energy is really good. It's going to be a really, really good show. We have a lot of fun things to talk about tonight and lots to celebrate. So let's get going. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan Henry.
2: I'm Mary Kay Andrews.
1: I'm Kristen Harmel. And this is Friends in Fiction for New York Times bestselling authors, Endless Stories, to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we will be welcoming our friends, Meg Mitchell-Moore and Victoria Benton-Frank, and Audrey Beleza and Emily Harding will be joining us for the after show.
3: And as usual, we are here to bring you incredible authors, hot reads, and fascinating interviews, all while supporting independent booksellers and authors. One way you can help us support indies is to buy from them i.e. pay for a book and buy a book from them when and where you can, or to visit our own bookshop.org page, where you'll find Meg's books, Victoria's books, and Emily's books, and books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. And speaking of amazing books, don't forget to join the Friends and Fiction Official Book Club page and with Brenda and Lisa, because On June 19th, I will be there to talk about the secret book of Flora Lee with Brenda
2: and Lisa and
3: the official book club.
2: And speaking of books, our books, the four of us, (laughs) this year, all four of us have new novels being released. Kristen's The Paris Daughter is out in six days. Yeah. Yeah. It is go time, this incredible novel. I mean, is
0: it? I I had I
2: hadn't been counting. I know, I know.
1: You almost forgot it was coming out. (laughs) Almost forgot.
2: Right. Right. All four of us are ready. We're going to be together in Huntsville, Alabama to launch The Paris Daughter next week. We want you to make sure that you have pre-ordered Kristen's book, Damn it! Don't make me come over there. (laughs) And make sure you're coming to see Kristen on the road to get your book there. Or of course, pre-order, pre-order, pre-order.
1: Yes. And just a reminder... Kristen works so hard on friends and fiction all year long. So if you would like to thank her for that, the very best thing that you could do is support her during her launch week and consider grabbing your copy of the Paris daughter coming to see her at an event. Um, and we'll be with her in Huntsville, so we would love to see you there. So now, the other thing ado, you
3: could do is bring her champagne. She likes champagne.
1: I do like champagne. You could, you <laughs> could. but you could just buy another copy of her book. That's like true. Or I'll buy myself. Yeah, and I'll buy myself both, the both. champagne. Both, yeah. Both. Yeah. Thank you. It's <laughs> not an either or. It's a, it's a both and. Both both. It's yeah. a both and. Yes. <laughs> okay. So now, without further ado, we are so excited to welcome Meg Mitchell Moore.
3: So Meg began writing as soon as she figured out how the curse of T and the curse of F were different. <laughs> I love, I love that. And she has not stopped since. Her newest novel, Summer Stage, her eighth, received starred reviews from both Booklist and Publishers Weekly. That is a tough thing to do, get two of those stars. One that yeah, feels one feels miraculous, two is amazing. So before turning to fiction, Meg worked as a freelance journalist for a variety of business and consumer magazines, where she often managed to pitch stories that this is the best, involved dogs. Nice.
2: Yep. Meg received a BA from Providence College and a master's degree in English literature from New York University. She and her husband live in the beautiful coastal town of Newburyport, Mass., the setting for a best-selling 2020 novel, Two Truths and a Lie. And in case you're wondering, the real-life town moms are much nicer in her town <laughs> than <the first. laughs> So if you're watching and you live in Newburyport, she wasn't talking about you. So <laughs> <laughs> she says. She lives there with her three daughters, who are currently a mix of high school and college age, and two exuberantly shedding golden golden.
0: Awesome. I love that. Her new yeah. novel Summer Stage was just released last week. It's a big-hearted page-turner that follows a family of actors grappling with fame, scandal, and ambition.
1: I love it. All right, Sean, can you bring Meg on, please? Hey, Nick. hi everybody. Hey, Welcome. We are so so happy to have you here, and we wanted to start out um one of the things I love so much about this book is that it's very brilliantly set against the backdrop of a production of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, which hopefully we'll talk about a little more later. But I have to say, you really made Shakespeare cool here. And I it made me think about like all of my Shakespeare memories, either from like a disastrous high school production or like a life-changing really good one, like later in our adult lives. So um, ladies, I wanted to ask you, What's your favorite Shakespearean memory? So how how do you go first?
3: So I am ashamed, but or my school should be ashamed, but my high school did not ever have me read Shakespeare. Wow. And uh in college, of course at university, I was in nursing school, so I wasn't really reading nursing Shakespeare. Um <laughs> But my two favorite Shakespeare memories are one seeing some original or what they believe is original in the British library in London. Um, it will give you head to toe chill bumps. And the other is reading of all things it's fiction, but it's Maggie O'Farrell's Hamnet. Oh yeah. Um, oh, so good. Okay. So Hamnet sent me down a Hamlet and Shakespeare rabbit hole and it's a really cool memory because it made me read about and look at things that that I hadn't been required to do in school. So. Hmm. How I about you, here. Kristen?
0: Um, I think my best is yet to, my best Shakespeare memory is yet to come because my seven-year-old Noah is um going to a Shakespeare camp this summer, a one week Shakespeare camp. Um, So he's never done anything like that, but he, I think he, he loves to like, he's, I just think he's going to love it. So um, I'm excited to see what they do there. So get back to me at the end of the summer and I will tell you my favorite
3: Shakespeare.
2: (laughs) MKA. What about you? Fresh from London. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm ashamed to say my high school um, did teach Shakespeare But I mostly cliff-noted my way through Hamlet (laughs) and King Lear. That's hilarious. But I still remember a production of Midsummer Night's Dream that was put on by the Oslo Theater from Sarasota. And they performed that uh, for my junior high school. And uh, that was an amazing experience. Mm. Very
1: cool. All right, Meg, you're in the hot seat. What about you? Well,
4: I have to say I'm not a Shakespeare expert. With all these English degrees, I didn't read that much Shakespeare in school. (laughs) so I had to do a lot of research to even include the play. But I would say my best memory is I spent my junior year of college at Oxford University and I did get to go see a play in Stratford and I can't remember what play it was. So <laughs> it's not memorable, but the, like, I can remember being in the town and I probably should remember the play, but I don't.
3: Oh, you, that's so You funny. could have just that laid one up
1: and we wouldn't have known. Yeah, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> this <is> the <laughs> life changer <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Probably if it was Romeo and Juliet, you probably would have remembered. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. like the, the one that we like kind of remember.
4: Right. Yeah. But that's I agree so, with Patty about Hamnet. Oh, that book was amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad she brought that up. Love
1: it.
2: I had to mm-hmm. memorize the uh, Romeo and Juliet um, balcony scene yeah. for a high school drama class. So I can I can still say some of that stuff.
1: Okay, that's good. That's ah. Good. Yeah, I can still. i pretty good. Spot that I
2: can still Why have. do we remember things like that
3: but forget to pick up the dry cleaning?
1: Like you know, I don't know, but what a great party trick. I mean <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, Meg, I had the honor of getting an early read of this book. And suffice it to say, I loved it, which you know, I have gushed about it to everyone who will listen. And I am so thrilled to have you here tonight so we can discuss it. So this novel brings Disney child star Sam, her mother, a once aspiring playwright and now teacher Amy, and their uncle slash brother Timothy, a big time but aging star together on Black Island to put on a play together. But each of these characters is carrying secrets hurts, ambition, and deep-seated desires that will change their fates over the course of the summer. There's That's a little bit about what the book is about. So can you tell us a little more? And then our favorite question, can you tell us what it's really about?
4: That was such a good description. I'm going to write that down later because <laughs> I don't have a really good description yet. It just came out last week and I haven't talked about it that much. So thank you. That was very oh, specific. I have nothing to add. It's perfect. What it's really <laughs> about is families. I think all of my books are about families. And so this there's a lot of um, tension between the famous actor who left home and his sister, who is actually half-sister, but doesn't matter, who didn't leave home and tension between the daughter and her parents and just all those sort of family dynamics, which I think is really what I'm writing about every single time I write a book. I just put it in a different setting. And sometimes mm-hmm. I add a
0: play.
3: <laughs> As that. in this time.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. All right. So, Child Star Sam has achieved another level of fame over the past few years by being part of a TikTok house where social media influencers live together, not only making money by doing campaigns but also documenting their lives in sort of a real world style fashion, but on TikTok, not on TV, like, like real world was. So everything's going great until something happens, something we don't find out until the end of the story that not only causes Sam to leave the house, but also to completely give up on social media. So a lot of this novel feels like a commentary on fame in all of its forms. Were you trying to share a message through Sam's character? Is that kind of, sort of what you were trying to do?
4: I don't know if I had a message, but it's definitely something I wanted to explore. And I think this, I have three teenage daughters. And so as I've watched them grow up with so, surrounded by social media, it's been so interesting to see what they think of as fame. You know, they'll say this yes. person's famous and we'll be like, we don't know who that is. That's not famous. But they'll hear the name of an actor who's a you know established actor and they won't know who that is. So that's always kind of fascinated me, the world yes. that that kids are growing up in today and what they take seriously as fame and not fame. And so I did really want to explore that. And that's why I have the two, I have a 62 year old and a 19 year old and they are both famous in their own way but they have such different experiences with it and how they, not only how the world views them but how they view each other's celebrity. I really wanted to explore that too.
0: Well, that's that's awesome. I, I also have to ask you: Are TikTok houses a real thing? I mean, I'm not they cool are. enough to know. They yeah, really are. Yeah. Like there are these real world style.
4: Yeah, I've I, I read a few. There's a bunch of articles out there, uh, uh, you know, that sort of describe what they're like. There aren't, as yeah. far as I know, any in New York City. So I did. I didn't create one in New York City. They're typically in L.A., but they do exist. I've seen, you know, videos and read descriptions of them. And it's these, you know, young, beautiful people who are brought together, told that they're going to be superstars. And sometimes they are, but usually they're not. And um, maybe they make money and maybe they don't. And there's usually some sort of adult type person Controlling things, and um, and I have a character like that in my book, and it's a fascinating thing because from the outside, of course, to my kids, it looks amazing. They're like, "Oh, why wouldn't you want to live there?" But yes. that there's a darker side yeah. to it, of course, like there is to anything that's that's too easy. It's probably too easy for a reason. I that just can't believe that that's real.
1: I mean, yeah. I, I that sort of thing. figured that it was, yeah. like, just in reading yeah. the book because you described it. So either, or it's like a really good figment of your imagination that could easily exist, but I just can't believe that's a real thing.
4: Yeah, it's I know. It's it's really strange, but it, it, uh, it does exist.
3: Crazy. Wow. It makes me feel like I would have so much anxiety. Like why they think that is fun and cool is mm-hmm. my nightmare is somebody watching me all the time. <laughs> right <laughs> right. Like, right,
1: exactly stop. stop no I know I think about those reality shows and like people following me around with the camera yeah. all the time and I'm like I I can't imagine you would just no you know be terrible
4: yeah it's a certain type of personality I think who seeks that out and enjoys it but often you think you're going to enjoy it till you're in it and then yes. I think you can realize this is actually awful <laughs> and that's yes. kind
1: of what happened to
3: my character yeah. right right Okay, talking about your characters, there is a really deep love among these characters. But in that love, there's also some jealousy. And I have sisters, I have family, I get it, right? There's this deep love, but also this little, hey. And I found it really realistic and compelling that these two emotions could live together on the page. Um, So Timothy is Sam's biggest fan and has, for all intents and purposes, created her career, but he's also a little jealous of her youth and all the years she has left to be a star baby. So Amy is happy in her life, but she's also a little jealous of both her brother, Timothy, and her daughter Sam's ability to chase their dreams. And she's more than a little resentful of her brother for maybe stealing her daughter from her in some ways and bonding with her over their acting and their craft. So can you comment on how you balanced this love and jealousy so expertly to create this rich, authentic character duo that ultimately they do want what's best for each other?
4: Oh, thank you. that's a huge compliment because it did not come out that way the first many times as you all know oh, most, of, <laughs> most of the work so i think i had a lot of imbalances in my first draft and um and i had a lot of help i had a lot of help from my editor working through those issues i had a a fight scene an argument that's still pretty long <laughs> now but it was really <laughs> long and i remember she was like this no this cannot go on for pages but i was so into what they were saying to each other you know it yeah. was almost like an episode of succession where the siblings were were saying everything they had never said to each other um, and she said, no, this is not moving the story along. So I had to I had to cut a lot of that. So I think the balance with any multiple point of view book, which is typically what I write, is really hard to get that right. Yeah. And I typically don't the first time or the second time, and usually not the third time. So it just took a lot of um, it it took a lot of took a lot of revision.
3: I'm so glad you said that because balance is so hard when you have conflict mm-hmm. and when you read it. In a balanced way, you're thinking, yeah, but my nine page argument isn't working. Right. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you need, usually,
4: you need someone else to tell you this is too much because you're so in love with this really smart line you came up with. You don't want to cut (laughs) it. Yeah. Oh my
1: gosh. Killing your darlings is the worst. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And so you pretend they're not your darling. I don't love it that much. Right. I I mean, (laughs) it's not a true darling. I don't have to really cut it. Yeah. Just a little bit of a darling yeah. <laughs> cut.
2: Meg, you write teenagers so incredibly compellingly. You did it with Alexa in Two Truths and a Lie. And now Sam just leaps off the page what helps you get into the mind? And I think I I think we know the answer to this. What helps you get into the mind of Gen X? Do you just like hide outside your daughter's bedrooms? Do you like talk <laughs> them to the mall? How, what do you do?
4: I I, I just I am surrounded by teenage girls all the time. So um yeah, I'm always listening. I mean, I don't put specifically their situations in books, but I always have kind of an ear out for what they're talking about or even what terms they use and um, their dialogue. Um, I do a lot of, well, they can two, two out of three can drive themselves now, but I used to, you know, in the car is a great way to listen in. So I would (laughs) drive people around and be listening. Even now I'll sort of, sometimes I'll do something near where they're hanging out if not, if I'm not invited to be with them. (laughs) And, um, I I mean, I, it's, it's, I just feel like that that's what I'm surrounded by. And I find it so interesting. I was just talking about this on a a podcast interview I was doing this morning. I, when I, when my kids were young, especially girls, I thought, oh, teenage girls are going to be so scary. I'm not ready for this. I don't know what it's going to be like. Are they going to be mean to me? And, um. And the answer is usually no, they're not very mean to me. They're wonderful. And they're so much more interesting. I remember thinking teenagers would be scary, but they're actually so interesting. And so I I just have learned so much about it's It's brought me back to what it's like to be young, just watching other people go through that.
2: And do they um, ever go, mom, stop?
4: Do they ever well, say you cannot use this? They, they don't. Well, they haven't really read enough of my book. So if they read them, they might... <laughs> <laughs> Register. Sometimes I'll say that was a really good line. Can I use that? And they'll say, yeah. Um, but their friends would say, oh, absolutely. So
2: that's the thing you got to go through the <laughs> front
4: sometimes, not go directly through the daughters. <laughs>
2: then you'll have better luck. <laughs> I always like when people would say, don't use this in a book. And I want to say, I hate to tell you this, but you're not really that interesting.
5: Yeah.
2: I can make that one what You're saying, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm always like, like I'm going to remember this later, but thanks for that credit. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, um, obviously, Meg, as we discussed, you have this... um, Shakespearean play that plays a huge role in this novel and at the end the parallels between the story and the play become really evident which there were like a couple at the end that I was like wait oh my gosh like that I like saw and anyway I was very impressed so it was very well done and I just wanted to know how much of that did you plan and how much was happenstance and so I guess in in a larger sense I'm asking are you a pantser or a plotter or are you somewhere in between uh, first of all thank
4: you for picking up on that because a lot of people haven't so um well, I really I, were the parallels and i was, I was very impressed that was very you well said done. that right away when you read it and i was so grateful that you had <laughs> you had picked up on that so thank you um so that was no that came later i am not a good plotter i'm a terrible plotter so there's my answer i have a general idea of where things are going to end up very general and then i um i usually plot sort of after i've done a first draft. I kind of wing it, and then it's usually not working. And then I go back and make an outline. I always wish I could plot better ahead of time, but I can't. And I think, actually, Christy and I have the same agent, the wonderful yes. Elizabeth Weed of the book group. And I think she might have helped with, I think she's the one who said, whatever's happening with Sam should parallel something in the play. And then I sort of figured it out, because I didn't know. I didn't know what her scandal or her issue was until much later in the process.
1: Um, no, I loved that. And yeah, Elizabeth has really good ideas. She's actually, this is gonna, this is crazy because this is like, I think my I don't know, we've done a lot of books together, but this is the first one of mine that she's actually like edited before it went to my editor. And she had so many good ideas. I was like, why have we not been doing this the whole time? We got to do this again. <laughs> right. Um Francine Katzen wants to know what you're reading now.
4: Oh, I just finished a book. Um, so I just <laughs> finished reading Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson and I loved it. And so the next thing I think I will read, I just got romantic comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. So I think oh, you'll that's love it. Up, yeah, I hear a really good thing. So that's probably up next for me. And on audio, I, I'm always reading something and listening, not at the same time. But um, <laughs> I am listening to The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, which I had somehow missed all these years ago when it came out. But I fell in love recently with her newest book i have some questions for you which brought me back to the
3: great believers so i'm listening to that at the same time that's meg great. i just downloaded that and i downloaded it because our meg walker said okay to read this. Wait, which You'll one play. the
4: great believers or i have the some great believers one. and oh, so i God. just
3: downloaded it on my okay. audio so, it's it's yeah.
4: such a feat oh my gosh we have to talk when you're done it's just amazing. okay it's, it's just amazing it will blow you away that's
1: oh good. that's amazing well i'm, I'm gonna ready. have to do it too me all right. Well, Meg, we wish we could keep you here all night, but um, we will let you go out into the world and do the rest of your night. But you have been such an incredible guest. And before we do let you go, can you tell everyone where they can find you online and keep up with any events you might have or anything like that?
4: Yes. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me and for doing everything you do. I don't. I don't even know how you get all of this done in a day. I thought I did a lot in a day, but you all do. Like ten times more, and congratulations on all your books coming out. I can't wait to read them all. Um, you can find me mostly on Instagram. I'm a, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not that good with it, so I don't always keep up. But I am on Facebook. I'm on my author page, Meg Mitchell Moore, and Instagram, Meg Mitchell Moore, and those are my two main social media places. But I would try to respond to everything. So write to
1: me. I'll, I'll answer. All right. Awesome. Thanks I love that. You so much, Thank you, I'm We loved having you, and I loved the book.
3: Oh, don't thank you. Congratulations it. on your book. It's- thank, thank you so much. Right. It's amazing.
1: Good night. Thanks, All right, everyone. Well, don't move because we have three more great guests coming up for you. Um, and now we are excited to get to Victoria Benton Frank and her debut novel, My Magnolia Summer. But first, we have a few quick messages.
3: So... I think you know, because we post a lot, (laughs) but we've been live on the road. You've seen it right, and you felt like, oh, my gosh, I missed out on the best party ever. Mm -hmm. So we don't just live in these four squares on your screen. And with all four of us having new releases, we have some simply amazing events coming up. So if you missed a couple already, there are way more. You can catch us live in Huntsville, Alabama in six days for Kristen's launch of The Paris Daughter. And then in Tampa, Florida on July 20th at Oxford Exchange to launch Christie's The Summer of Songbirds. Cannot wait. And then in Beaufort, North Carolina, not Beaufort, South Carolina, Beaufort, (laughs) North Carolina on August 1st for a breast cancer fundraiser. And last, but obviously, definitely, perfectly not least, in Darien, Connecticut on October 4th to launch Mary Kay Andrews Bright Lights big Christmas so I'm sure we'll probably add some so make sure you're signed up for our friends in fiction newsletter and for our individual newsletters so that you are always the first in the know Mm
2: -hmm. and you know our writer's block podcast drops a new episode every Friday on all major podcasting platforms we'll always post a link to the newest episode on our Facebook page and on our Instagram feed on our most recent episode out now Ron and I talked to James Comey Yes, that James Comey mm-hmm. about his debut crime novel, Central Park West. Now, forget all your preconceptions about Comey's politics, because this was one of, I think, one of my favorite podcast interviews mm-hmm. ever. Coming this Friday, Chris and Ross was more surprised than we were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know we're not getting political here, but yep, I was. It was, I was surprised. Coming this Friday, Kristen and Ron will be talking to T.J. Newman about her new thriller, Drowning, which is everywhere. Yes, everywhere. Amazing, yes. so good. Meg just mentioned that I should tell you all that uh, Ron and I are interviewing Curtis Eddenfield, um this Friday for the podcast. It'll be coming up pretty soon for um Romantic Comedy, and it's so good. We can't wait to talk to her about that. So listen, review, subscribe, and share with a friend if you like what you hear. Awesome,
0: and don't forget after Victoria, we have an after show with Audrey Beletza and Emily Harding about their newest Emma of Eighty Third Street.
3: I love that title.
0: I, almost I know, named, isn't that
3: great? It's so cute. I almost named my daughter Emma. I, I love that host. name.
0: And then my, and my then niece's my, name, my niece is Emma. I, I love that name. It's a beautiful, it's a good name. name.
3: Yeah. 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 Um, all right, now it is time for our next guest, my dear friend Victoria Benton Frank.
1: The daughter of the beloved Darthea Benton Frank, Victoria was born in New York City and raised in Montclair, New Jersey, but now lives in South Carolina and considers herself to have dual residency in the low country. She's a graduate
0: of the College of Charleston and the French Culinary Institute. Victoria worked in restaurants in New York before returning to Charleston, which she considers home, with her husband, two kids, and a giant mutt. (laughs) When she isn't writing, she's reading, cooking, or chasing her children.
2: With new interviews in both Garden and Gun and the AJC, her new novel, My Magnolia Summer, is getting loads of buzz. It's out June 6th, and the heartfelt story follows three strong women in the low country of South Carolina. And We know Victoria knows about strong women. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Sean, can you bring Victoria on so we can talk to her? Hi,
5: my friend. Hi, everybody. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're
3: <laughs> so glad nice to see you. We are so happy to have you. Your debut, Victoria, it's here. It's here. I can't
5: believe it. I'm it. um, so. Um, it's very surreal because it's been coming for such a long time. It's finally here and. I'm excited to hit the road. <laughs> oh
0: gosh, I know. And it's right around the corner, just six days away. Can you I believe know. it? I know. Oh
5: my gosh. we pop champagne together, you and me. Yes, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah. Although we'll be like ships passing in the night, like across okay. as we crisscross the South, right? Yeah. Like, hey, Victoria. I know we're going right. to be like all over the place. <laughs> exactly. So, Victoria, I want to talk to you about this great book. So, My Magnolia Summer is... On the face of it, a story about a daughter returning home to Sullivan's Island when she receives a phone call about her beloved gran falling into a coma. So it's about three generations of South Carolina women joining forces. But what would you say it's really about?
5: Okay, so I've been preparing for this answer in my shower (laughs) all day and in front of the mirror. Um, and I would say <laughs> that, uh, I would say it's about not being able to outrun your destiny. Um, and I don't I think it. I knew that was the, what it was really about until I got done with the book and I started thinking about how I may have secretly wrote my future by writing this book. Um, Maggie, you know, is a chef and she thinks she has to be in the big city to live her dream. Um, And she she's always thought that's what she was going to do. And then it turns out that it's right in her backyard. My mother told me I was always going to be a a writer um, and I never believed her. And then here I am, you know, doing I can't outrun my destiny. So I think that's the same thing with Maggie. I think these women um, in the book for generations were placing the stones to build the home that she was going to live in, which was the restaurant. And I think my mother was kind of doing the same thing with me because I had a crazy childhood. You know, I got to write fiction now. Like, <laughs> I couldn't not write fiction with that woman. at the house.
3: <laughs> That's awesome.
5: Absolutely. Oh, my friend.
3: So before we dive any deeper into the book, we must of course, talk about your mom, a dear friend who I miss so much. So I know you started this book with her and she read some pages. And this was something you were doing together in the garden and gun interview. You said, I started the book seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Then I got married. Then I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and then I got pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my mother. Then I had two children in a pandemic. So it was a lot of start and stop. I went from being a girl to a full adult through the course of writing the book. So talk to us about the very beginnings, the origin of the story and this book, and what made you sit down and say, I'm going to do this, even though you didn't know it would take seven years. What made you say, I'm writing this book?
5: Um, I think a few things. I think there was a couple of things that kind of brought me to that point. I think my mother saying in my ear since the dawn of time, it's really nice you're cooking in kitchens, but you know what you should be doing. Or it's really (laughs) nice you're working as a stylist at anthropology, but you know how you could make some more money. Or, you know, this is really fun. So it was like a bug in my ear. Um, And then uh, when I started the book, We actually didn't do it together we did Teddy Spaghetti together but this book was totally my own thing and she was so so afraid and careful to make sure that she was would preserve with any input my own voice my own story my own rhythm all that kind of stuff and I was like mom I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do this I think I'm gonna try and she's like why not try you know what what's the worst that could happen give it a shot and so I just
3: channeled her
5: that was really (laughs) weird I did well 2.0 you know (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, Get potatoes, Patty. This is what you got. And like, yeah, this is, this is who I, know. I am. Um, I know. No, my mom and I are Siamese twins for sure. Um, but anyway, I wrote about 25, 50 pages kind of in secret. And then she was like, when are you going to sh- okay. show me those pages? And I was like, uh, never. <laughs> like, you know what? I mean? I'm just doing it for fun. Um, and she's like, let me see. And I went to the bathroom and I had my laptop open and she snuck into it. Uh-huh. And I came back into the living room and she had it open and she was just sobbing. Oh, and I was wow. like, mom, that's Oh my crazy. God, is it really? And I immediately was like, it sucks. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know I should have done that. that's why I didn't do. And she's like, she was like ugly crying, like heaving. And she's like, thank God it doesn't suck. <laughs> she's like, I would have been so embarrassed. I was like, me too. And we hugged. And then she's like, quit your job, you know, stay home. Like do this. And so I did. And then it was a lot of start and stop, but she gave me a lot of really good writing advice about how to shape a story. Um, but she would never, like, if I was like, hey, can you look at these pages? Can you take a look? She's like, sure. But it would be like, you need a comma here. You need a period here. You know, this is not, a, this is a run-on sense or whatever. If you said, you know, absolutely three times in this paragraph, you need to stop doing that. But she would never say, write this, change this to maybe she should say from this perspective, blah, blah, blah. That was like, she was adamant at not doing that. So. Did you finish it before she yeah. left us?
3: No, you were no, still working on
5: it. Her dying words to me were finish your book. <laughs> wow. And yeah. as if
3: you're not going to do that, like mom, mom on her deathbed
5: told me to her finish, but bed. forget Those it. Forgetting. Those who her dying, dying worries. she also told me not to wait 68 years to tell someone to if you needed to. <laughs> yeah. And and if you knew my mom, you know that that's like exactly her advice. And yeah. she was really she we were like that though. I mean, we were sisters and best friends and coworkers and mother and daughter. We were everything. We we're soulmates. So You know, I could hear, I could feel her pulling away from me when we got the diagnosis. I knew I felt the unraveling of that cord that connects us. And Mm -hmm. I knew that on some level, like it was over and she never made eye contact with me from the moment she got diagnosed to when she passed. Cause I, she couldn't, it was intense, but I t- I promised her. I was pregnant with my daughter when she when she went. I was in the ICU. Actually felt her kick for the first time there. Not to get like, oh wow. Yeah, it was intense. It was really intense. And um I leaned over to her and I grabbed her hand and I said, "Mama, I'm going to name this baby Dorothea." And she goes, "That's nice. Put on the Beach Boys." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and we partied in the ICU. You know, she couldn't move. She was actually strapped down because of course, my mother was violent with anyone trying to, like, hold her down. And so she would she would do this, and then I'd turn on the Beach Boys, and she'd go, <laughs> we'd boogie and talk about how the book was going to happen and how I was going to finish it. I promised her, and she's like, you better, you better, you better. And then, you know. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah.
3: Wow. Bravo, girl. brava.
5: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well... <laughs> It's kind of, it's sort of hard to segue from that to where I know. I know. So I'm I know. just gonna dive right in and pretend like it's a normal segue. <laughs>
5: yeah, more wine in the coffee cup. Wine in the coffee cup, baby. Wine from in the my, coffee cup. From my Independent bookseller, Parnassus Books, right here. Perfect. I love <laughs> it. Nice. indie. There's your segue.
1: There. Good segue. Okay. So the food in this book. I mean, oh my gosh, we go from New York City to Sullivan's Island, we see the Southern food sensibility, and you talk about turning recipes Southern, and I know you went to cooking school, as we mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you worked at your in-law's restaurant, and now your husband owns a restaurant, and I assume they all show up in my Magnolia summer. So no.
5: So no, husband okay. does not own a restaurant. Husband oh. works for an amazing restaurant that is independent oh. of us. Thank let's God to so play get. with hmm. other people's money and not ours, you know? Okay, that's good. That's um, good. So yeah. Uh, but his parents own a restaurant right up the road. And okay. this is a public You know, viewing, so I can't really talk too deeply about it. But if you want to get drunk later, you know, I'll tell you all the stories if you want. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Uh, they're not in the book. I think there is a dish, though, uh, the Genovese, which is in I I think the third or fourth chapter, and she talks about a cycle of life Mm -hmm. um, recipe that is my mother-in-law's recipe. Now she's super Italian, so I could never give that recipe away. So I right. did heartbreak soup and Zed, which was my mother's and my favorite recipe growing up because the first time I got my heart broken, I refused to eat because I was <gasps> very dramatic in 16 um, and I wasn't eating a thing. And my mom was like, okay, Piggy, I know, I know what to get you to eat. And she made me the soup, which is just a Italian, it's like an Italian, bre- uh, like a Tuscan bread soup with sausage and kale, mm-hmm. but she hated yeah. kale. So she admitted it. And she made a big old pot of it. It smelled so good. And I came out of my room. I was like, well, maybe just a cup. And we, <laughs> <ate>. <laughs> and so that became heartbreak soup. So we called it heartbreak soup and that's how it came in the rest in the book.
1: Aww, yeah. okay. And so can you talk about why and how you decided to make food such a central part of this book?
5: Um, I think every first book you write is semi autobiographical, you know, like you can't help, but write what you know the first time. Yeah. Um, And I think I just wrote, my mom told me her first, her number one rule, besides be authentic and write the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, was that you write a book you want to read. And I've always been really drawn to multi-generational ensemble pieces about resilient Southern women. And so I wrote like my version of Steel Magnolias, Fried Green Tomatoes, Yaya, Sisterhood. I wanted a book like that. I wanted a book to make me feel... Those things again. And so, because I had left culinary school, I think this book is my way of dealing with that breakup of like me not being a chef anymore. Of course, now I sling chicken nuggets and mac and cheese more than anything else. I like, I can make anything with the tater tot now. Like, y'all need something? You need a casserole? Like, I'm your girl. Um, but I get to cook for people I love now. So, it's, it's fine. Um, But I think that that's why I decided to make food a central feature. And also, like, even in my mom's books, you can see, like, food is a big part of our life. We're all foodies. We're never going to be side zeros, you know, where it's just not going to happen. We're just going to... And we like to go out to eat. Like, my husband and I are like, we don't have hobbies. We go to restaurants. Like, that's what we (laughs) we do. We go to eat. Like, um, we're going... On my tour, we're going to nashville and i spent two days solid days researching the restaurants there and i was like well, where are we gonna eat and i like made mm-hmm. all the we're staying two extra days just to eat like, like <laughs> i'm like no love we're, we're, we're not going there we're going <laughs> we're going all. if the, they have good food then sure but otherwise it. you'll see us at sean brock's restaurant like groupies so excited that's, awesome. to eat. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's, that's awesome. great
2: that's great um, Victoria, you know, the complicated relationships in my Magnolia summer are abundant, including mothers, sisters, lovers, co workers. Um, now, we often talk about on this show how our own lives can work their way into our work, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. Do you see any of your friendships and family relationships and work connections in there? No, it's fiction. <laughs> I
5: mean, like, straight, straight up, it's fiction. I mean, like, I had a relationship similar with my chef at one of my restaurants, which I cannot name, obviously, um, with Chef Jamie. So I had a very abusive, sort of passive-aggressive relationship. So I picked up on that and rolled with it. Um, some of my characters are loosely based on people I know in my real life. But as far as relationships go, it was all fiction. Like, I don't have a sister. And I wanted to write about that because I've always wanted a sister and I have a great relationship with my mom. So I wanted to write about a bad relationship with a mom. And it was sort of I don't have grandmas really in my life. My grandmother who um, just passed, she was one hundred and two and she lived in Dearborn, uh, Michigan. So like I never saw her. And my other one passed away when I was eight. So I was like, Ooh, what would it be like to be raised by your grandma? Like, how cool would that be? Mm-hmm. And so I sort of made it up. I mean, I didn't sort of, I did. I made up the whole thing. Um, BJ and Brad, the two cooks in the first part of the book that work with her at um, Bar JP, they are real people who I cooked with. And it was just oh, kind nice. of to them because they're precious, precious boys and I miss them every day. And they were so fun. They no. looked out for me. Um, but Sam is fictitional because who doesn't want a sexy farmer doctor? I mean, come <laughs> on. You know, and, and Alice that's is fictional that. and yeah, they're all, they're all fiction. So no, not really. I just sort of, I sort of made the opposite of what I knew.
2: Mm. So it's going to be a series I hear. Can you tell us about that?
5: Yes. I'm writing um, Violet story. So the sister story, and I can't talk too much about it because I will, re- you know, really like reveal the big surprise that happens in the book, but I want, that's more, that's also pretty autobiographical because it's, it's the same story about finding yourself and growing up and, um, sort of rising to the occasion that all young women have to do when they face impossible circumstances. So it's a coming of age story, just like I would say my Magnolia summer is, but it just happens a little bit later for her. Cause growing up is not a straight line, right? Like we grow up like this, like not every day we're like, Oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm going to turn 38 in November. I'm, you know, I, I don't know if I'm further ahead than I was last year. So, yeah, I think uh,
3: coming of age can happen at any age and it's never a line. I always imagine it like a spiral, like a labyrinth. And yeah. you keep, you, then you pass that stupid point again that you thought you got over <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I already did that. Now I already went through person. that? How <laughs> am I passing it again? Victoria, yeah.
1: I'm turning 38 in July. And I think, I think we'll have it all figured out this year.
3: Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Great. I think we're- this is our year where we're just going to be like, oh, we're adults. Got I mean, it. That's what it okay. is. what
0: happens this year. <laughs> Great. Oh, wait.
1: Was that so, supposed to happen for me at 38?
0: Come on,
3: Kristen. No, when I so turn 38, I will Six years behind. Yeah. When I get to my 38th birthday, I'll, yeah, I'll let right. you know. So that's right. that's what, what I meant to say. say. For you. Same, same. I went yep. to the driver's license bureau today because I had to renew my driver's license, and I needed like nine things. The social security card, the birth certificate, right. the passport, the... Yeah proof of whatever. And I was like, I'm so adulting. Like I have <laughs> all the things.
5: Doesn't <laughs> it stink? I hate that. Like yeah. paying taxes. Hey. I don't know. like hey, I, have, really I have
3: all <laughs> <more> proper <laughs> documentation. Um all right. I want to talk a, a little bit before before we go about the children's book you wrote with your mom, Teddy
5: Spaghetti. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Um, that came together in 10 days, which is insane. Um, I was nursing my son and I called him Teddy Spaghetti because I married this gorgeous Italian man. Um, and he was my baby. So Teddy Spaghetti and I was losing my mind because my son was insatiable and I nursed around the clock for 27 months. Um, my daughter, by the way, three and a half, she was like, no done. (laughs) My son was, would still be nursing. He's about to turn six if I could let him. That's so why I didn't get rid of my nursing bras. Cause like I might need them, you know, you never know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but so I was sitting there losing my mind. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just nursing this child all the time. And I never got off the couch. And it was like, as soon as I put him down for a nap or a sleep, he'd wake up and want to eat again. And I was like, mom, I cannot live like this. She's like, well, Teddy Spaghetti's a cute name. It sounds like a children's book. I was like, it sounds like a children's book. She's like, let's write a children's book. And I was like, okay. And we never thought anything would happen with it, but it did. And Harper was excited about it and bought it. And it was cute. Of course it came out after she passed away in 2020 in like the middle of the breakthrough of the pandemic. So, you know, unfortunately I never got to do like a tour or anything, but who knows, it will be with me on tour this time. And it exists in the world. It exists in the world. That's what matters. And it's precious.
3: And Teddy yeah, it thinks. Is. I love it. So, it is. Yeah. And and wait, real quick. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead.
5: Oh, no. He, he, Teddy thinks he's famous, is what I said. And <laughs> and um, he thinks he said to me the other day, he goes, You need to write another children's book. I said, About you? He goes, No, about Thea. You have to write Thea, Thea, Quesadilla. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> you, oh, you do. You he's should. right.
3: He's right. <laughs>
5: Yeah. yeah, but when, I don't, when you I don't
1: turn know. thirty-eight, you'll realize he's right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Waiting for the truth of that. That's when all epiphanies come. Can't all wait. epiphanies. Can't wait. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, real quick. Robin Herndon is asking what your favorite restaurant is on Sullivan's Island.
5: Ooh, loaded question. <laughs> I like High Time. Okay, and That's my favorite restaurant. I know everyone's probably expecting me to say OD or Dunleavy's or Pose or all those, but honestly, I love high time. I love Emily who owns it. She's there behind the bar. She is so wonderful. It's not anything fussy. It's predictable, good food. Like you go there, you're like, I want a risotto. The risotto, I tasted like this last month. It tastes like that when you sit down and it's that's not awesome. fussy. You know, it's just, a. it's cute. It's got a little porch on it. Just good food. All right, road trip ladies. Hi. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. All right,
3: Victoria, we hate to let you go. We oh, I want to stay all night
5: with you guys. It's so um, fun to see so you. Fun. I love you guys. I'm so blessed to be on this with you guys and you are so amazing impressive women and to be in your company is really an honor. Thank you for having me.
2: The um, honor's I'm all ours.
5: So I mean, yeah, Patty knows you know. I've growing her since I was like 13, but oh. <laughs> literally I love she is when I met Patty, sorry, we have to tangent. When I met Patty, she came in, my mom is like, "This is my friend, she's an author." And I was like, "Okay." And I was like not impressed with anything, right? So I was like, what was I 14 she was 13. 13? Yeah, and I was 13 or 14 in the ass. In walks Patty and she has an iPad. And I was like, "Mom, she has an <laughs> iPad." And it just came out. <laughs> and then she had I think she had Chloe or Celine shoes on, like these really cool. And I looked at my mom and I go, "Mom, Patty's cool. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and then Patty at some point convinced my mom that I needed an iPad. So then she was definitely in. Oh yeah, And then my mom goes, yeah, I'm so glad she's my friend. And I was like, no, 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 Patty's my, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And like years later, I read her work and fell in love with her as a writer, but it didn't even matter that she was a writer. She was just like the coolest, most beautiful, put together, funny, stylish. And I just wanted to be just like her. You were, my um, you were able to I overcome,
3: overcome the stigma of being an author good for yes. you <laughs> I did I snowed you with an iPad my friend I snowed you with an iPad. Bought my love
5: and it worked worked I snowed you baby all right you are going so many places
3: real quick tell everybody where they can find you online so they can um, see you on the road
5: on Instagram is the best place to get me because Facebook for some reason threw me off um so okay. <laughs> I'm available at Victoria Benton Frank on Instagram oh. I, I know I'm in like Facebook jail. I'm not really sure what happened. I'm sure I dropped an F-bomb or something. Um, but oh, moon, I, Victoria Peluso is my personal account. You can find me on my mom, Dorothy Dorothea Benton Frank on Facebook. And if not on Instagram, Victoria Benton Frank.
3: All right, my friend. Be safe on the road. And congratulations.
5: I will. I will. Thank, right, you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, everyone, you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We'll be back next week to celebrate the launch of Kristen's The Paris Daughter. And we are so excited. Have we mentioned? Have you pre-ordered? Not sure. If mentioned yet. We have such a fun episode in store for you. Um, we'll see you next week. But don't log off yet. Stick around with us for our after show to meet Audrey Beleza and Emily Harding. What a night, you guys. Oh, my goodness. It just keeps oh my gosh. going. Such good energy. Such good energy. Just keeps getting better. So let's move on to our next guests.
3: All right. So Audrey is a two-time Emmy-nominated TV producer, you know, kind of all our backgrounds, who has spent over 20 years writing, developing, and executive producing nonfiction television shows for a number of networks and streaming platforms. She lives in New Jersey with her husband and two children. Meg said, I mean, who isn't? <laughs> who isn't? Who isn't?
2: Emmy, Grammy, Tony, just
0: yeah.
3: Whatever. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Emily Harding is a writer and TV producer whose work has appeared on numerous networks and websites. When not hunched over her computer working on her bad posture, she <laughs> can be found that's losing dangerous. another game of Monopoly to her husband and two children.
0: I that love that. Hard. <laughs> so together, Audrey and Emily authored Emma of 83rd Street, a witty and romantic debut novel which introduces Jane Austen's Emma to the misadventures of Manhattan's modern dating scene. So, the novel was just released on May 23rd.
1: All right, Sean, can you bring Audrey and Emily on?
3: <clears throat> Hi, Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello! Hello.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having us. Oh Oh my my gosh! gosh. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for waiting patiently backstage. We're so glad to have you here. Entertaining. I I want you guys to keep going.
3: Yeah, I was was in it.
1: Wait,
0: before we get
3: started, I have to say how much I love
5: your cover.
6: oh Oh, yeah isn't it it amazing amazing. oh Oh, yes i feel like i'm always sarah horgan is our was our illustrator and she did such an amazing Amazing job job. and it's so nerve-wracking when you're waiting to get the cover and you're just kind of hoping and it came and i think audrey and i called each other and we were just like like yeah
3: we love it and i mean if i you just grab that book it's it's just a great oh we
1: hope so (laughs) (laughs) it's a really really great cover well and so for those of us out there who would not know this, Audrey and Emily are pub house sisters with Kristen and with me. Yeah. You guys
6: might not even know that. Kristen and I are both at Gallery too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we heard the term is gallerinas. Yeah, yes. gallerinas. Love the I, yes. I love yes. that company. I
1: remember when I had my first book come out with Gallery and I heard that and I was like, that is the cutest thing. So I'm so good. happy that I'm here.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> he said the same thing. Word.
7: <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
1: Um, so I have to say when Molly told me about this one I was so excited so I actually wrote my master's thesis on Emma so I love Emma oh I have a huge soft spot for that book and obviously have like read and seen and watched a lot of adaptations of Emma for that project um, but so I have to know what inspired you to retell this iconic novel
6: Wine? I wish I I I was like, should we say
5: alcohol? Now that that you said that, I feel bad admitting. um, I was
7: like, we we were,
6: yeah, no, we were in the the beginning of the pandemic. And I had just moved from New York down to Dallas and didn't know anybody. I was stuck in this house with my kids and my husband and my dog. And Audrey was stuck in New Jersey. And we were both slightly going mad. And just on a text conversation, and she was sending me things she'd written, and I was sending her things that she'd written. And I don't know which of us, probably me, because I was drinking more wine than you were. I was like, <laughs> we should write something together. And so we just decided to do this. And so we both loved Emma, and we loved the idea of doing something together and having a, a, a story that we were both tethered to so that we'd both come back to the same place. So, um, yeah, that's really kind of where it came from. That's actually really
1: genius when you're like doing, especially for a first co-write, because, yeah. well, yeah, you know, when you're you're yeah. like, oh, we're going to try this thing and who knows if we work well together, but we both know this story and it can be this kind of like thing that we come back to. I love that. That's
7: mm-hmm. Well, really, we had really... worked together um, for years okay. in television production. We had a background of working together for about 10 years. So we kind of knew how to craft a story and how to tell each other oh, that's not such a good idea in a really nice way. So we kind of had really thick skin, especially working in television when half your ideas go nowhere. So um, <laughs> we, we sort of had that background and we're like, okay, if we're gonna do this, we can do this with each other because we've gone through a lot already together. Um, and yeah, so that's how it, it kind of worked out. That's amazing.
3: It's amazing. And I, I feel like I'd be so scared to say to a dear friend who I love and respect and work with, I have an idea. Let's do it together. And then
1: like,
4: shoot. Oh. No. Really? It what you to Mary
3: Kay like twice a week
1: and she's like, no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and we're all fine.
6: We rebound.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> right. We'll try again I'm next week. Yeah. yeah, I think that's half
6: of TV development though. Is it li- like you're coming up with some of the best and the worst ideas in the world. And you yeah. have this room full of people. And we have, mm-hmm. Audrey and I are you know amazing friends. We have this group of friends who are all in this one development room together. And you turn around your chair, you'd be like, what do you think about? <laughs> and then you get these looks of like, what? What are you talking about? You're like, okay, they never mind. I'm
3: <laughs> yes, sorry, that. I just forgot my coffee. I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly. And you didn't take it personally. So
6: I think that was half of Audrey's and I's conversation. I'd text her, I'd call her, be like, what, what if Knightley was? And she's
3: like, no. And no like, okay, terrible. cool. All right, got it. <laughs> so, yeah. Christy, I feel like we all need to read that thesis now. So I've seen yeah, two adaptations, and now I'll pull I it out.
1: This is a story for another day, but I actually think it's the reason that I got my first book deal at Gallery. But That's a story for another day that I'll tell you guys later.
3: All right. That's awesome. All right. Okay, Emily and Audrey, your Manhattan modern dating scene. Oh, my God. Anxiety. Sorry. You have to tell us how you captured it so intricately. And are there (laughs) any stories in your own lives that maybe perchance to be very British, perchance... (laughs) Inspired the scenes in this novel. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't think Patty. I think
6: if we <laughs> uttered had so many years of bad dates that if we didn't write a book about it somehow, then it it would have been, been a crime. Yeah. Exactly, waste yeah, you exactly. of <laughs> your
1: energy. <laughs>
7: Yeah, there, yeah, there's a couple characters, stories. There, there was ways that we weaved in some of our experiences that happened. But yeah, we dated a lot of the wrong guys until we found the right guy. So, um, you know, it's yeah, you couldn't help but they, they, we couldn't help but get them into the book a little bit.
3: But yes. So well, and I just <laughs> feel like Manhattan of all places is a much different dating scene than almost anywhere in the country right? I mean, no, it's, it's a very yeah. particular, like if I tried to write a Manhattan dating scene, it would sound like we were in Atlanta, right? I think it's a very particular. Well, it's like yeah. little
7: communities that you're in. So, you know, if you're like my ex-boyfriend, who's actually my best friend now, so that's, Different, but usually you're like, it, we were in the West Village when we were dating and you never left the West Village. And then you'd run uh, into somebody else on the subway and you're like, oh, I don't want to see that person. And you'd be in Washington Square Park and you're like, I don't look good. I should do that. So yeah, you ran, you run into people because of these little communities. And if you leave that community, then you have a whole new dating pool. So it depends <laughs> yeah. on you know what bars you're going to. You know? It's really so, convenient, actually. No, it's nice. It's you're like, i would leave this area. I'm going
6: to go to the Upper East now and see who I've got. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. but the other thing about New York that's so crazy and that's why I think Emma works so well there is it's like these little villages almost that you have that no one leaves yes. but and no one believes this but like you still run into people like yes. I remember like you run into like this guy who like you ghosted like two years ago and all of a sudden you're like oh my god is it like what are the chances yes. in England and England people it happens all the oh, time so that's yes. the one still thing that happens think, oh my gosh. <laughs> It's it still happens. That's really why Emily really? had to
3: move to Texas. Sorry, yep. she had. To- <laughs> oh, well, that was I mean, my husband. Was like
1: <laughs> you didn't put on makeup or wash your hair. Like always, I'm like always. Why? Yes, yes, yes.
7: Why? Always. Yep.
6: Yes. You
2: gotta always
6: Doesn't mo- Gotta look good. Yeah. <laughs> no.
2: Now I have to ask: Was there ever a date that you guys came home and you called each other and said, "We have to put this in a book somehow"? <laughs> That it was so epically bad that you just said to each other, this, this, we got, this, this is something to work with. I, I
6: think we've, I think everybody's, well, I think anyone who's ever dated has had this experience. You are like this, I need to write this down because this is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, But I think by the time Audrey and I had met, we'd already yeah. dating our husbands. Yep. So, but I do think that they were like, we would trade stories of all of us, you know, our friends being <laughs> like, the oh, you ones. know, like you should know, you know, oh, this bar, this place. To the point where my husband was reading the book and he was like, this is funny. Was this me? And I was like, no, no. this wasn't <laughs> you. Somebody else. We already <laughs> about him. Oh my God. But, my um, husband did the
7: same thing. He's like, am I nightly? I'm like, no, honey. You're, you're definitely not nightly. nightly. Come on. <laughs> but yeah,
6: exactly. You're not Montgomery either. So it's Yeah, fine. so yeah. don't
7: worry. They're not, you're not um, in this, you know. Yeah. So lots <laughs> of dating stories put together.
6: Yeah. <laughs> just like, and I think also like we, we dated through our 20s. We weren't, we didn't marry young. So we've had those mm-hmm. experiences and it's, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, you know, innocent either. I did my own fair share of like bad, I was probably someone's bad date story. So I think you just kind of Same. have to embrace all that and put it in, you know, a catalog be like to pull out later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of our oh, friends and their dating stories, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, there's so
7: many and you know, a lot of our friends married later too. So there's so many
2: stories to pull
7: from. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Well, you know, co-writing is something that all of us except me find interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But <laughs> it'll be something benign, like something so easy. Be like...
1: No, Good.
0: Yep. Uh,
2: <laughs> I find it incredibly interesting <laughs> that anyone would do this. <laughs> give us a behind, give us a behind the scenes sneak peek. In fact give us the pitch about how cool it is
5: yeah
2: (laughs) it's fun maybe you can talk (laughs) okay yeah it was okay you have
6: to be in a pandemic and locked in a house with your family and have the only excuse to go into a room and lock the door is because you have Mm -hmm. to work
2: on your Ah, project
6: yeah i think that was ultimately what audrey i mean it was we weren't writing a book she and i were going crazy and we were like let's do this and we'll and the best we would send each other chapters And I'd go in the bathroom and like giggle to myself because I'm reading it on my phone. Like there was no plan until it started really becoming something. So I think that was
3: kind of the idea. In other words, Emily, it's fun. It It was was so much fun.
1: fun. In other words, it's two steps better than a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's something to do. Okay. (laughs) Now, how do you handle when that's the vault of co-writing? Let's get technical here. Google Docs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really Google Docs was we
7: used it for everything and it was really easy to send chapters back and forth. We just and then we use the the side tabs almost like text messaging. So you know, we would say, Oh, I like this. I like this. And then we'd go off on tangents like, Oh, what happened with your kid today? Oh, right. and then we'd now, like, like, Should I just call you? The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we talking about on the side me. tabs here? But yeah, we would use Google Docs, and that really made things really easy. And we would put the chapters, you know, each chapter we would do a Google Doc for, and then we combine them. And we're like, Oh, this is a 400 page book. Maybe we should send this around. So yeah, that's, wow. <laughs> oh, that's how it happened. Every other
3: chapter, how did you? Yeah,
7: beginning, we kind of did. And then we sort of switched and Emily would make notes on my chapters. I'd make notes on her chapters. And then, I mean, once our, once Molly, our editor got it, once Molly Gregory got it, it completely just changed. And, you know, we, we kept revising and updating and it, you don't even know. Way, yeah. yeah. She was
6: like, yeah. Cause I think you have like designed chapters, but then yeah. ne- neither of us really anticipated the, uh, revisions process of like, oh, you know, every, yeah, it was like version one through 375. But I think it was <laughs> yep. I don't know I if right. <laughs> I <have no> <laughs> but it was great. It was really funny to look back at that initial draft of like, this is good. And now we look like, oh my gosh, oh my God. look where we are now. Like this isn't this. It's not even comparable, but yeah. Um, Yeah, I think once it became the revisions process, it whose chapter became what it all melded. It all kind of became just our project, and we were just kind of balancing it off each other, our ideas
2: and and changes. So, at what point did you say to each other, "Hey, you know, maybe this is something more than just you know goofing around. Maybe this is," and then at that point, did you go back and write like a synopsis and all that?
7: Yeah, I know. You know what we
2: did? We treated it like a TV
7: show and we were like, yeah. OK, we yeah. this this actually we're like three fourths of the way. And we're like, is this something? And I think we gave it to my mom and a couple people who, you know, we respected their opinions and they were like, this is good. And then we were like, OK, for television, we would write a deck and we would, you know. Make like this that. presentation. So that's what we did. We did deck. We wrote up a synopsis, Ooh, a one page and pictures cute. and pitched ourselves. And we kind of put a little package together and sent it around the way we would a TV show. Yeah. I <laughs> Good to know.
0: Well, that's a great segue into my question, because you've talked about how working in television kind of helped you um, weather uh, constructive criticism from each other. Right. You talked about how it helped you package it were there things that you brought with you from the TV side of your experience that helped you
6: actually write the book? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we talked about this too. We, we did. Talked about, yeah. yeah. We talked but about it. I also think that it's not only TV, but working together. I think yeah. when you work with another person, all of a sudden you have to be very deliberate with character yeah. and setting. And we had full on, you know, again, Google docs, but you know, presentations where we had this is this is nightly these are his mannerisms these are what he does this is Emma this is her mannerisms Nadine this is what Emma's house looks like Mm -hmm. even just down to like we did a floor plan of the house because we're like well if she's walking here he has to like and if she's looking out her window where is he and so there was this Ah. very deliberate planning that I don't think if we did it on our own we would have had to do but it Mm -hmm. yeah it was really helpful. Yeah. So, I think that was a TV experience where we, you do that for a TV show. You've got to work out all yeah. those plans beforehand, but also because we both needed the same um, point to tether ourselves to. So, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit of both, I think. And just think the brainstorming were- part
7: was the best part. Like, you, because I think when you're writing by yourself, you're like, is that good? I don't know. I'll just keep going. But <laughs> I felt like it was, it was, I'd be like, let's figure this out together. And we would brainstorm and brainstorm till you're like, you know what? I feel like I really worked that out that might've taken me alone a long time, I feel like we got to go back and forth. I got your opinion on something and I gave my opinion that we were able to change it to something that we really like. So now let's move on to the next chapter. So I feel like the brainstorming part, which we do with television as well, you brainstorm and brainstorm until you get to something that makes more sense to both of you. I TV? love
3: that collaboration. Something yeah. new comes out of it every time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Every
7: time. Things you didn't even think of. You're like, I wouldn't even have done that. I'm so glad I got to bounce that off you. But that, that's usually, that happened a lot.
0: Do you think there were TV skills you had to unlearn to write the book together?
7: Yes, terminology. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kept being like, did you finish the cut? And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> nah. no, the chapter. Like, <laughs> We were using like editing terms.
6: So yes, yes. terminology. I was... Yeah. And I think we write in a very visual way, but I think there's yep. also there's mm-hmm. times you're like, you have to let yourself like go into their internal dialogue, especially with, yeah. you know, when you're having yeah. some grapple up. and the the angst mm-hmm. and everything. So that was, mm-hmm. it was having to have those moments. And that's for our editor, Molly was fantastic. So you're like, well, what's too much? What's enough? What are we, you know, how are we going into this? So that was really lovely. That was a great working relationship too. That's true. That's yeah.
1: yeah. That's great. I love that. Okay. So the big question, are you going to do it again?
3: I, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> if anybody wants us to. yeah. Maybe I mean, it, it wasn't it, just a pandemic fluke thing. You're no. Gonna no. Well, I think
6: we were doing, as we were going, we were like, wouldn't this be fun? Or wouldn't this be fun? So I think we kept coming up with that fun brainstorm ideas. And I think once you realize you work well with somebody, and I think the fact that we're still, I mean, we're still like best friends. It doesn't, like, it didn't affect that. Like, it was yeah. still, you yeah. know, we, we know Got that closer. we can do this and and it doesn't affect the friendship. So I think that we're, we'd love to. I think we'll probably, whether anyone wants us to or not, we'll just, <laughs> just <laughs> Audrey will still be getting chapters from me or her, you know, email, but uh, yep. no, hopefully, yeah, not yeah, kind of hopefully, would yes. keep going.
1: That was so awesome. great. Well, ladies, can you, before we let you go, can you tell our audience where they can find you online?
7: Yes, they can find us on Instagram. We're at Emily. That's probably the best place for both of us.
1: I love that. All right. Well, we are so excited about this brand new book. And everyone, um, just a reminder that you can get Emma of 83rd Street um, wherever you buy books or on our bookshop.org page. Audrey and Emily, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And everybody, we will see you next week to celebrate the big night, the launch of the launch of another Gallerina's new Yay! novel. Paris <laughs> it's so beautiful. Y'all are going to oh, love it. Yeah. Um, That's don't so forget, pretty. get those pre-orders in. I mean, time is drawing nigh. You got to get it.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's almost <laughs> down to five days. Right. You do like,
1: not want to hear is it is on so the so. Facebook page when you're like,
2: everybody has Oh, and I don't have mine. Well, you didn't pre-order.
1: Also, hear,
2: we don't want to hear, well, I'm waiting to take it on vacation or my mother's birthday. No, no, no. No, no. You get it now. Kristen <laughs> never
1: once said, I don't want to write a script tonight. I'm going to wait for three more weeks. She's never said that one time. So she needs y'all to get it. <laughs> I have. Oh, I have said it many You have
5: said that, but... <laughs>
1: So if you of the home records later, it's fine, but you need to get Christians. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, ladies. Good night. You guys this is amazing. Awesome. Thank you all Thank so you much. so much. It's it's nice so you. Thanks, Andre. Thank good night, you guys. Good
7: night, everybody. Uh,
0: Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.